to be very forthright with you, I had no idea what I wanted to say to you. I, I mean, you've known my story all along. And this is not just false humility or self-deprecation. I, I, I wanted to use this 25 years to, to highlight the scandal of grace. The, the idea that someone... And, and, you know, I, I can already, I already see it. People say, oh, no, don't talk about yourself like that. No, it's the truth. It's, it's just the truth. Someone so base and so small that he would let come alongside him and partake. We were partakers of him and his glory. He didn't give it to us. It just ran over on us. Don't you let preachers tell you what a chore and horrible burden and unnecessary evil it is to be in the ministry. It is the most humbling, beautiful, uh, my vocabulary won't let me go. I just, it's, it's the greatest thing, the idea. It's like the closest thing I can tell you is like the man that wins the, uh, the Super Bowl and his little kids are on the field running around with their dad. Uh, that I've got to do this with him for 25 years. Um, I don't have so much a sermon. I want to share some memories with you and tell you some things I've learned. And then we're going to take communion together. Uh, absolute surrender will change your life absolutely. Uh, when God rescued me in my early 20s, I was born again when I was a little boy, and then when my dad died, that was it for me. I said, if this is who God is, you can have him. And as far as I could run away from 11 to 24, I ran. Um, I'm not going to match you story for story, but whatever I wanted to do, I did it. It didn't matter the, how debased it was or sinful it was. I was just looking to laugh, looking to have some form of, of pleasure. And in my early 20s or mid-20s, God rescued me, found my hiding place, just put it in my heart one morning to get up and go to church. I wasn't planning on going to church. I was out the night before till 4 in the morning and went to church that next day. And back then, everybody bathed and shaved before they came to church and wore suits and dresses and everything. And uh, I stood out from the crowd, I should say. Had on my little concert t-shirt, you know. And the preacher opens the Bible and said, his text was, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. And I was like, oh, come on, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and before I knew it, um, I was reconciled and went home and immediately knew that God had called me to preach. And I didn't know what I was going to tell anybody, but I knew that he had called me to preach and I told him yes. And I'm going to skip forward through a lot of, the, you know, I was a youth pastor for three years. I traveled on the evangelistic field for five years. But what you need to know is uh, details are often revealed after they are memories. No details, just follow me. And you go, okay, I'll follow you. So I'm on the evangelistic field preaching, and my buddies would say, when are you going to pastor? And I remember like yesterday, I go, and this is understating. Oh, no, 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 no. No, thank you. 
Because I traveled for five years and saw what a lot of those guys went through. I said, hey, I'll go preach Sunday through Wednesday. I'll leave, go back home, peace and quiet. You know, none of, none of what I see them, you know, I'm, I'm counseling them off the bridge while I'm there on the evangelistic field. Never one time had a desire to pastor. And to see that now for 25 years, it has been the joy and rejoicing of my heart. What I would tell you is, God's best life, not what you hear on Christian television, His best life is on the other side of your absolute surrender. And usually... Eye hath not seen, ear hath not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of men the things that God has prepared for them that love Him. The very thing you've not considered could be the joy and rejoicing of your heart. Never wanted to be it, and now can't imagine not being it. God, I'll tell you this if I'm a commercial for anything, is that God is not looking for ability. Just availability, just a willingness. And I'm proud. I'm proud to tell you, uneducated. Not that that's a glorious thing, but it lets you know that God doesn't need you to tee up the ball for him to hit it. He takes dirt and makes man. He takes nothing and makes everything. For the things that you see were made out of things that do not appear. He doesn't need your help. He invites you to participate in his intentions and plans for your earth, your family, your locale. I'm amazed at the preachers that say, oh, they'd make a good Christian like God's going to use their strengths. No. He, he, he likes to rescue people, break them down to where they have nothing to offer. I call it the zero factor. Get them to, I just don't have anything. Said, Perfect. Now I'm going to use you for my glory. Everyone and everything stops growing and going forward at the last place they tell God no. I wonder what's on the other side of your no that God has been waiting on to bring you into. May I be the one that tells you, whosoever saves his life will lose it. But if you will lose your life for God's sake, you'll find it. And the joy and the rejoicing that comes and the security and the peace that comes and the reward that comes for being in His will. Don't clutch to these fleeting years. Don't grab tinsel crowns. Don't, don't let your life be uh, a list of things that you possess. But let it be in the one who possesses you. I've learned that without giving your life away, or you cannot follow Christ without giving your life away. See, if you're going to follow Christ, you have to be an imitator of Christ. And if you're going to follow Christ, you have to walk out the steps that he walked. And the beginning, the, the first steps, if any man would come after me, let him deny himself, pick up his cross and follow me. Give your life away. Deny yourself. And you can't give of your substance without experiencing its loss. You remember when the woman with the issue of blood touched Jesus and she said, uh, the Bible said that Jesus perceived that virtue had gone out of him. You need to know that for when you give your life to Christ fully, you're going to live depleted. 
Like the battery on your phone. You're not supposed to keep it at 100% all the time. You'll kill it. I'm guilty of plugging it in before I go to bed and turning it on the next day. And what's wrong with this stupid phone? Well, it's overcharged. You need to deplete it. But modern Christianity is about keeping your battery full. And following Christ is about emptying yourself out to where there's nothing to give. And then he tenderly fills you up again. To give yourself away again. It's not a life of ease and, and I'm wonderful and I'm fine. It's filled with I'm exhausted. I have nothing else to give. I remember uh, one time in the foyer uh, during just a very low period of pastoring. Um, pers- usually it's just personal. You know, How many of you can imagine? You know how you don't like to come to church when everything's going wrong? Can you imagine preaching? When everything's going wrong and coming up and not feeling like a fake. So I'm in the foyer, I'm, I'm scurrying between my office and where else. And a lady goes, oh, I'm so glad to see you. I have so much I need to dump on you. Just like that. Now, she didn't mean it bad. She meant like, you're my pastor. And so I said, how long have we done life together? I took her by her little precious hands and she told me the years. And I said, you trust me? You know I love you. She said, yes. I don't have one thing to give you right now. But I'm going to go find someone that has the capacity to care for you. And I'll be right back. <laughs> and it might have been Beth or someone. I come back and I was like, you know, Beth, so-and-so, so-and-so. God bless you, both of y'all. Okay, good. Most people don't want other people to see them with their makeup messed up or their hair flustered or uh, being down. And I've lived with you in strength and in weakness. I've lived with you on the mountain and in the valley. I've been filled with joy and utterly depressed. I've dreamed of the future and then wished there wasn't one. And in it all and through it all, Christ remains. Christ remains. Life is not about getting everything near perfect. It's about keeping everything near Jesus. That's what life is about. But if you're going to live surrendered and you're going to pour your life out for the Lord, it befalls every minister who, like John the Baptist, will succumb to cry out from prison, are you the one or should we look for another? When you come to God... He will see to it that you come to the end of yourself. Because when you come to the end of yourself, you come to the beginning of God. Well, I thought he wants to build me up. No, no. He wants to break you. So that the treasure... See, the earthen vessel is not the treasure. The treasure is in the earthen vessel. He will let life and people and things break you. So the treasure, the fragrance, will come out and touch other people. What this world needs is not a polished preacher on a stage at 25 years making you esteem him and think he's wonderful. What the world needs is to see shattered vessels with the glory of God coming through them. And you say, I can identify with that. I can identify with that. But we polish the vessel and all the while, you know, you'll take two or three years polishing it, buffing it cleaning the, you know, the, all the chrome, get it all fixed up. And God's got a ball ping hammer like this waiting for you to get done. Pow! 
Oh, God wouldn't do that. Oh, yes, baby. I was in the oven of God so long one time, I said, I heard the door over. And I started dancing in the oven. I said, glory to God. He's going to let me out here only to have him pull me out, flip me over to roast me on the other side. (laughs) Got to burn out some impurities in there. I've learned that you cannot follow Jesus and have any other source. Any other source. That's why God judged David when he counted his uh, military men. He said, I don't want you trusting in numbers. Don't go to Egypt. Don't go to alternative nations. Don't look to the world. Don't look to your company. You might receive from them, but look past them and understand, I am the Lord thy God and I am your source. And when every river dries up and when every brook dries up, I can rain food from heaven for you. I and I alone am your source. I've learned that where the finger of God points, the hand of God is there to provide. But what do you do when you're the leader and you're at wit's end? The end of yourself, the end of your hope, the end of your desire, your joy, your strength. The end of your belief that in the end God will work all this for your good and for his glory. It is then that you experience a cloud by day. You're warmed by a fire at night. When you taste the golden flakes of manna in the morning and drink from a rock that follows you, that you are willing to reject every other source. I declare to you this morning that my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground, all other Systems, all other sources, all other enterprises are sinking sand. He's the rock that I've built my life upon. And across this world, there's seven, eight, nine, I don't even know now, little churches that name Christ Chapel. And we don't look like much. Might even be called mutts. But you know what they say about mutts? They make the best dogs. Because we're, we're not impressed with what breed we are, we're impressed about who our owner is. I was going to say something about uh, the people along the way. And I'm being honest with you. And the reason I wanted to do that was for the people that will be watching online that do not know about their pastor's journey and, and what goes on. I've had very little of it here, but you need to know that uh, ministry is lonely. It's, do you know how you get 10 compliments? And if you get one criticism, all you hear is the criticism. Uh, be gentle with your pastors, whoever's watching this online. Be Be patient with them because they have marriage problems and they have physical problems and they have personal problems and they have sins that they feel guilty about. And they don't need anybody to keep them humble. It's very hard to stand up in front of other people when you feel guilty and beat up yourself. I don't need any help feeling worse about myself. But God has taught me and he's freed me from the addiction of people's opinions. You're talking about being free. You know what an addict is? An addict is the one that runs to Facebook or whatever, media to see what somebody says. What, is, what do they think? What is, only 20 likes. I had 20, 25 likes. 
But pastors are discouraged through apathy and fickleness of people. Over the years, I have to be honest, I've been wounded with people's words, what they said and what they didn't say. <laughs> I had one guy, I went in the foyer, I said, hey, how are you? He said, I wouldn't walk across the street to hear you preach. What? Praise the Lord. <laughs> Prayed for his wife. I'm like, God help that woman has to live with that rascal. Over the years, I've been weakened with people's lack of commitment to God, His cause, and the church. I've been wearied through opposition, through lying, gossip, slander, jealousy, cruelty. But they're no worse than I am. And we've got to learn that I can find encouragement from you, but you're not my source of encouragement. And if I'm not guilty of the things you said, I'm guilty of far worse, so let's just call it even. But be gentle with your ministers. Because if the shepherds are killed or wounded, the sheep scatter. We are not precious in one sense. Hear what I'm saying. But it is God's design to shepherd sheep through shepherds. So if, if anything, protect. I don't mean you roll over and don't have an opinion. It doesn't mean that they can't ever be corrected. But leave that for the elders and those in authority. And just... And again, I'm not talking to this house. I am fine. I'm not sending you an indirect message like they do on Facebook around hoping you hear it. I'm not doing that. But if you can be a preacher's friend... Be one. We've not always had it easy. We've, we've had some opposition. I don't know who all was. I know Shan, Shannon, Shannon's been with me since the first Sunday. You know, when she said that, I brought her and 11 other kids to church in the back of my pickup truck. They're sliding off from one side to the other. <laughs> you could do that back then. <laughs> but I remember we had only been about a year, year and a half old. We'd outgrown the office part, and I was looking for a place. And no offense to those of you in River North. I know Beth, River North, others I love, River North. Great. I love it. Not a problem. It's just the way it went down. The gym there was empty and vacant and rotting, and I'm thinking, hey, we'll go put our church in there, you know, and leave it open six days a week for the community, free. We'll keep it up. I just thought, you know, they're going to think you the best thing since sliced bread. I, this is how naive I was. We went to planning and zoning. I thought they're going to have a parade. I, re I really did. I thought they were going to have signs, John is great. Here he comes to rescue us. I did. I just, I'm just naive, you know. So I come into planning and zoning. Standing room only. They are plastered against the walls. We had our little church van with like 11 of us in it and two other cars, so like 13 of us, like 300 of them, you know. And they read the little resolution that we were trying to negotiate to buy. And one after one, they come up to the mic and pointed at me. And he said, you think you're our Savior? We don't want no Savior. I'm going, oh, my God. I'm, I'm thinking, I would just... It wasn't what they said. It was how naive I was. <laughs> I'm thinking, and one after the other, they just eviscerated us. I mean, just, it was horrible. And, of course, it got voted down 
And I've packed my little 11 people back in the van. Follow me. <laughs> I'm the great leader. You know, and I'm like, the devil is serious about this. The current of the world never stops against those that are in ministry. My own weaknesses, my own insecurities, my own idiosyncrasies, the, the, the darkness around us, the spirit of this world. So, John, that's depressing. Mm -mm, I have a verse. Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. All I am in is in the, pro the procession of him accomplishing his will. It's not easy. Nothing worth having is easy. We have the tiredest generation I've ever seen in my life. All right, millennials and below, come on. You know, these on TV starting a revolution. I'm going to start a revolution. Can't even start a lawnmower. What are you going to start a revolution? Let's <laughs> start a revolution. Get a job. You know. I told you all this not too long ago, but I had a young boy out here. I said, man, you look rough. I'm tired, preacher. I'm just worn out. I said, what's wrong? He said, I worked a double yesterday. I said, man, those are cruel. He goes, yeah, 9 to 11 and 1 to 3. <laughs> I said, man, they ain't even single. What are you talking about a double? That ain't even single. If you're going to spend your life for God, you will have to live against the grain. You will have to fight the current. You will have to row. That's why it's important to row with people with blisters on their hands. To know they're with you and for you. You can't whine about opposition. Opposition introduces you to God's strength. Opposition... I, I had my buddies ask me when I first started the church... They said, okay, Woody, how long do you really think you're going to be there? You know what I answered? I said, probably three years. Because I like to, you know, some of y'all don't like change. What was it, Mark Twain said, no one likes change but a wet baby. You know, I like change. Every three years, get a new dog. Get rid of that one. He's, he's you know, get you something out. That was a joke. Not really. I was teasing. It was a joke. But I told him, I said, about, every, about three years, I'll probably. And then 25 years later, I fell in love with this calling and with you and the families that have come through. May I mention this to you? Because it's not applying to no one right now. So I'm not speaking to anybody here or anybody that just left. But I want to give you insight, especially the oaths of you online. You are one of my greatest wounds has been over the last 25 years, not angry with anybody, not hurt, I don't have aught. By hurt, I mean having something against. But there haven't probably been 12 people in 25 years that ever said goodbye. I share life with them for five years, six years, seven years, 10 years, and then they're just gone. And as a pastor, you think, did I not even merit a goodbye? And I know it's not about me. I'm just, I'm telling my heart to you. You know, I baptized your kids. I, I was there for you when you and your husband didn't know if you were going to make it. And, and, and people just 
vanish. Don't take the coward's way. If the Lord moves you on, wonderful. Ask to meet with your pastor and say, I just want to sit down and tell you and I want to thank you for loving us and feeding us the word of God. And the, the Lord is moving us on and, you know, and, and we feel that we can take what we've learned and go to the next place. And if he doesn't dance with you, that's on him. But don't leave without saying goodbye. Yeah. I've learned that you cannot follow Jesus without experiencing miracles. It's been 25 years of God coming through every time. When I say every time, I want you to listen to me. That's Greek for every time. <laughs> every time. Never failed me. Never lied. Never fell short. You can trust him. I didn't say you don't go backwards. Sometimes God will let you go backwards like a slingshot. Only to shoot you forward. God doesn't close his books when you close yours on the fiscal periods. I remember our church is only a couple months old. And we had more kids than we had adults. So we went to buy a van. And I wanted to buy a new one. Uh, and they said, what do you want on it? And I said, wipers. That's what I told them. They said, well, they come with air. I said, I'll take care of it. Nothing else. There wasn't power, anything. Crank them, crank them, turn them, roll them. And I was preaching to about 30 people. And the Lord whispered to me one of the first times when I was preaching. He said, I'm going to pay the van off by May. It's like March. It was $19,000. I'm like, you know, our offerings are like 160 bucks, 300 bucks. You know, that can't be the Lord. And it, just, and it wasn't audible, but an unintroduced thought. I'm preaching about one thing, and I hear I'm going to pay the van off by May. And I didn't tell them then. But the next Sunday I did. And I said, we're not taking a special offering. This is not a manipulation. He just told me that we're going to have a miracle in May. And if we love his kids, he's going, if, we do, if we love what he loves, he'll take care of our mission for him. And the van was paid off, and I got to show him the title. That was one of the first things along the way. Many of you weren't here for the journey when we were renting the Evangel building Whoa. For, uh, how many of you were here during that time? God bless you. They kept changing our rent. The roof leaked like a sewer. I lie not, my conscience bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost with many witnesses. The roof leaked so bad when it rained that on Sundays you would go into the nursery and have to walk around a 50-gallon drum with water pouring through. Come right this way. We care about your children. Come on. Come right this way. And I'm meeting with the guy that, you know, the church that owns it. And I said, would you guys let this happen if it was your church? No. Well, will you fix it for us? No. It was, it was just hard. And I'm like, you know, I know you've never done this. Just laugh at me. Enjoy my weakness and immaturity. I'm like, God, this guy doesn't even represent you. They have two churches. I got a 50-gallon drum in the nursery. I'm walking people. It's horrible. Ceiling tiles busting all over the carpet. We recarpeted. Uh, it was, the carpet was so bad, and I prayed and looked and prayed and looked for a deal, and I found carpet for a dollar a square foot. It was 
burnt wine red. When you walked in, it would burn your retina. You'd walk in, you'd go, oh! But we carpeted everything. We're doing all we could. And I'm like, God, we don't have anything. We don't have anything. What? God, this is not right. And I'm, I'm, I'm doing all I can to serve. I, I felt the Lord prompt me to go to their church, the nicer one that they owned. And I pressure washed all their sidewalks and all their curbs because they were going to do a thing for policemen and firemen. And I'm not saying that to brag. I'm showing you how I had my argument against God because how good I was, you know, and how bad they were, you know. You've ne- oh, you've done that too. You prayed away. So, you know, I'm doing all this and I'm covered in slime and muck and sewer. And the guy pulls up and he sees me and goes, what are you doing? I'm just pitiful. You know, I'm just pressure washing everything for God's glory for you. You know, I didn't say that. I'm thinking I wanted to turn the wand on in that open window as well. <laughs> That's what I'm doing. You know, I'm a Christian, but I cuss a little. Don't, don't push me, you know. Not really. No, don't quote me. That's going to be up in the next video. So, so I'm, you know, I'm like, God, do you? So, so they sent me a plant. The church sent me a thank you with a plant. I'm like, a gift card I could eat. What, what am I going to do with a plant? So anyway, all that murmuring and had no idea that within a year, the church across the street, we would start worshiping together. And then six months later, God would join us together. And we went from owning nothing. I was literally handed. And I say this humbly. There's no arrogance in my heart today. I did not deserve that. So who are you to take that building? I was just next. That was all I am. We went from owning nothing. Do you hear what? Andy gave away, he asked me, could he rescue Atlanta? We had $5,000 in our bank account, like $5,030 or something. And we sent $5,000 to rescue Atlanta. We had $30 with the bucket still in the nursery, you know. And the Lord gave us this building. And they had $230,000 in the bank. And we later sold the building for a million two. See, God doesn't always do progression. Sometimes he takes your game piece And walks you all the way up here and does that. Stop trying to figure everything out and add it up in your head. Well, I don't see how that could be God. And then we come to negotiate sports town. And one of the ways the Lord speaks to me, and I'm not a a man of great faith. I have solid faith, but I don't have the gift of faith, the miraculous gift of faith. Only a couple of times has that gift operated. But when this came up for sale, it was $8.5 million. We had $200,000. Andy's like, sports town's for sale. I said, well, Andy, you want to go by the mall? That's what I told him. You want to just go by the making mall? We can do that. He said, just go walk through it. Just go look at it. So we come walking through here, and this was all just basketball goals. And I had my staff. I asked them just to spread out across the building. And I said, just tell me what you see. And I was walking, and I looked up to that window. That's where the golf simulator was. And I said, Father, are you giving me this building? And in a snapshot, like you would take a photograph, I could see the whole movie. I knew how to negotiate the the offer. So I approached the owner, which they owed us nothing, and the Olsons were wonderful to us. Wonderful to the kingdom of God on our behalf. 
But I said, what if you could keep your vision for this being a part of the community? We change nothing outside. We serve the, the local people. And you would, they were losing a certain amount of money per month and then the tax burden. And you would have no bills. You can keep all your offices, the making nights and everything. He said, talk on. I said, well, someone's got to buy our church. I need you to buy my land, our land. We had purchased land on Now Road for $400,000. And I said, I need you to buy our land for a million dollars. See, I was born at night, but not last night. I'm a good negotiator. And I said, I, and I need you to give us a million dollars for our land. And I need you to give me $5 million. <laughs> oh, come on, John. That's exactly what I said. So I go to Florida. Beth calls me. She said, uh, this man coming off the street in overalls, an 80-year-old man, says, your church for sale? She talked with them. said, can we bring some people back? 30 or 40 people come back that night. I just named a price. Mabel White downtown had sold for a million dollars. I said, well, tell them a million too. Because if that sold for me and ours is a million too, they said, we'll buy it. Beth called me. She said, I think I sold the church. Can I do that? <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute, what? So we waited, you know, we said, I don't know. And then pieced together, six months later, he calls us back. He says, you still want to do that deal? I said, what deal? That You give me a $5 million deal? Oh, yeah, I want to do that deal, yeah. So we closed. We borrowed 10 cents on the dollar. We moved into this building. The nights were wonderful. Their staff was wonderful. A year later, they close up shop and move out. So God says, here's $9 million, John. You know, on this side of town, you got your white collar everywhere. And then we move in here, you got your blue collar and no collar. You know, we changed our answer machine to the Jeffersons, the theme from the Jeffersons we got over here, you know. It's like, how did you get there? I've seen miracles of provision, miracles of preservation, miracles of protection. I remember back in that back corner, Tammy Toth asking me to pray with her about having babies, and God gave them twins. She said, I didn't need that strong a prayer, John, just one, you know, just one. I've seen people's family members get saved. I've seen marriages that were gone come back to life. I love what Leanne said. We've done life together, and the power and the presence of the Lord has been here, not manufactured. Not revved up. Not every Sunday is glory, glory, glory. But God is present, present, present. And faithful. Man, you ought to believe for anything. Anything's possible to him that believeth. Did I not tell you you'd see the glory of God if you just believed, Jesus said? Who did he say that to? People whose brother had died. Gone. Past due. He said, if you believe, you'll see the glory of God. If our musician would come, please. But I did not want to do today without re-emphasizing. And please, I want you to hear me and attribute this to me so that you don't leave esteeming me today in any measure. You can't walk with Christ and not see yourself. When you walk with the Lord, your life is filled with, a mirror, filled with mirrors. The mirror of his word, the mirror of his presence, the mirror of his goodness shows me that I'm not good. The mirror of his faithfulness shows me that I'm not faithful. So that there's no, the reason that is, is so that no flesh will glory in his sight. 
The longer I've done this, I'm less impressed with me than I've ever been, and I'm more impressed with him than I've ever been. And much of what I've learned has not been easy to know. I'm a man of great lust. That's probably my one failure. I remember years ago when I told the church that I uh, struggled with lust periodically and that I would seek the Lord and beg His forgiveness. I had someone come up to me after service and said, we're gone. I'm not going to church with a pervert. She has every right to say what she wants to say. But you need to know that this has not been a reward for my goodness. He's good all by himself. I'm a man of weak disposition, of chronic disappointment, and embarrassing inconsistency. And ashamedly, I'm a man who spent much of his ministry prayerless, powerless, and unprofitable. But there's another side of me too that following Christ is revealed. I'm a man that knows how to repent and I know the necessity of forgiving every man from my heart for his transgressions against me. I'm a man who's learned how to rest. I know where my strength lies and where my defense comes from. I know firsthand the scandal of grace and the power of mercy. I know that God resisteth the proud but giveth grace to the humble. And he lives with those who have a contrite heart. I am chosen, elect, called, and equipped. Before God formed me in the belly, he knew me. And he ordained me to the ministry of feeding the flock of God. I feel loved by him. I feel liked by him, enjoyed by him. And I, John, would have been kept by him. It has not been my grip on God that has kept me. It has been God's grip on me. God has been my provider, my protector, my lamb, my life, my love, and my Lord. He sustained me, surprised me, satisfied, and settled me. He's been my glory and the lifter of my head. I have been unfaithful, yet God has been faithful. I have drifted, yet he remained close. I have broken my vows, but there hath not failed one word of all his good promises. I have forgotten him, but he has remembered me. When I took up the wings of the morning, he was there. When I made my bed in hell, he was there. When those closest to me walked away, he stayed near and abode. When I longed for Egypt, he reminded me of heaven. When I longed to die, he laid me down and awoke me with words of comfort and the life-giving power of his spirit. And before we take communion together this morning, I would like to read. You know when you read the scriptures or the Psalms and you make them yours? Now we can't claim something God hasn't promised, but this has been my story. The Lord has been my shepherd and I have never wanted for anything. He has taught me how to lie down in green pastures. He has led me beside still waters. He has restored my soul and everything in between. He has led me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. I've walked through the valley of the shadow of death and fear did not overtake me. For he was with me. His rod and his staff brought me great comfort. He prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemies and he has anointed my head with oil. Since day one, my cup has perpetually ran over. Surely God's goodness and mercy has followed me all the days of my life. 
and I, my wife, and our babies will dwell in the house of the Lord forever, forever. Can someone say amen? Right before our usher served with communion, I had a quiet moment with Kelly yesterday, and um, she's not one that asked to be recognized ever. She never jockeys for the spotlight, but just because it's right, can I tell you a synopsis of what I told her yesterday? This girl rescued me. I was absolutely emasculated. Um, had no faith in myself. Didn't know that I could ever love or feel loved or accept love again. She rescued me. Here's a girl in a room praying for my wife to come home for two and a half years. My wife was in the room and I didn't even know it. And God knew what would happen. She is faithfully on your side. She loves you and speaks well of you and prays for you. She tells me all the time, John, in case you didn't know, do you know about this? I've been praying for them. I said, uh-uh. And she'll tell me, you need to put that on your prayer list. She's for you. She is the best mom I've ever known. The best mother I've ever known. And I wouldn't swap my life with you for anything in the world. And I want to thank you. Because there wouldn't be a today without you. So in a moment, the ushers are going to serve us communion. And then I'm going to ask my sister Beth White, who drove all the way from Galax to be with us. When, when I saw her come in, I said, I can't start crying yet. I'll have a headache the whole day. Uh, but I could not tell my story. Now, this is not just add-on compliments, and I can't just mention names because I would cover everybody. As far as staff goes, if she hadn't have been here, I wouldn't have made it either. Truth. Truth. This song that we're going to play during communion, the Lord gave me during burnout when I hit burnout the first time at the 10-year mark. And I was on A1A driving, and my hand was shaking like this. So even if this is not your style or whatever, would you just listen to the lyrics of this and apply it to my life and see if you can see the commercial unfold? Because God's grace to me has been marvelous. Would you play that?
That's my story. <laughs> Would you stand with us? If the Lord tarries, and well, when he comes, there's a chance that I will have earned a shepherd's crown. 
but that won't be the glory in heaven. Because I would have to step down from my position to join you in relationship. I would have to climb up from my position to join you in relationship because we who are not a people are now a people. We are kings and priests unto God. And this is the tie that binds us. You know, I'm not going to have a job in heaven. Well, it'll be a new job anyway. It won't be this one. Thank you for the last 25 years. I wouldn't have been nowhere else. And the same night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body that's broken for you. As often as you do this, you remember me. And Lord, we protect today. There's so many people in this room all throughout my story. They were saying, me too, God, me too. You did all that for me. And we remember your broken body just for us. Let's take together. And where would we be without the blood that cleanses us from all sins? Any other second chance Christians here? Do over Christians? Aren't you glad that our sins are remembered no more? I mean, we remember them. But I stand today clothed. I told you my history, but that's not what's written in heaven. In heaven it says paid in full. <laughs> Let's lift the cup together. On the same night Jesus was betrayed, he took wine and poured it. said, this is my blood that is shed for you, the blood of the new covenant. As often as you do this, remember me. Lord, we remember your suffering, your spilled blood, and we know that it ever speaketh for us from the mercy seat. Grace is ours because of your sacrifice. Let's take together. My sweet sister, will you come? Close us. There isn't no one in ministry I love more than you. This is God's plan. You need the people beside you, and they need what's in you. God never intended us to do life alone. Will you join me in prayer as we close together? Heavenly Father, how do we thank you for 25 years of grace and mercy, faithfulness and forgiveness? There just are no words. So God, we will just say... Thank you. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for choosing us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for carrying us. Thank you for the gift of the people to our right and to our left. Heavenly Father, I pray blessings over this house. For 18 years, God, I've asked you to use this house to reach the world. Send people to and from Christ Chapel, Macon, to share the love of Christ with the world. And God, I pray that you would continue to grow that. Bless this house to be a beacon of light for your grace and your mercy in this world. I pray your blessings over our pastor and his family. Heavenly Father, I believe, I feel in my spirit that the best is yet to come for this house. 
God, I know that when you created the world, you saved the best for last when you created people. Father, I just sent you smiling over this house saying I've just gotten started. 25 years is just a grain of sand. So I bless the future that is Christ Chapel. I bless the lives that are going to come to know you through this house. And I thank you for giving us a front row seat and a jersey in the game. God, thank you for choosing us. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we end our day with a hand clap to God?